Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Welcome back to The Audible, presented by Trader Joe's. I'm Stuart Mandel, joined as always by Bruce Feldman for our third episode of the week. Might be a record for The Audible, Bruce. I really, really jinxed it Monday night when I signed off saying we were going to once a week. Stu, when the the greatest coach in the history of college football retires... That's a no-brainer. Yeah. And so we've had... And look, credit to Greg Byrne, the Alabama AD. He told the players when he broke the news to them, give me 72 hours. He did it yeah. in probably 52 hours. So, And by all indications, talk to the very names that we were talking about on this show the other day um, at various and, and helped get them all raises. We should put it at that at various points in the last 48 hours. Um, we saw Dan Lanning announce he's not going anywhere. Uh, Steve Sarkeesian announced he's not going anywhere. Mike Norvell, uh, they actually went ahead and announced a new contract for him. And so as those started whittling away, it became increasingly apparent that that all eyes were on Kalen DeBoer at Washington. And that news came down um, early afternoon here, West Coast time on Friday. Your initial thoughts on the hire? I think it's about as good a hire as they probably could do. You know, if I think I would, I don't want to speak for you, but if we just said, who are the best coaches that they could get, you know, to me right now, Kalen DeBoer is one of the five best coaches who's working in college football right now. Some of the other guys who I think they might've talked to are close to that. I'm not sure that they're there yet. Um, He's done an amazing job at Washington. He's done an amazing job wherever he's been. The other thing that's interesting about him is unlike except for Norvell, but like the other guys either had worked at, worked at Alabama because certainly Sark did certainly Dan Lanning did, um, you know, that they, they know that situation, but like, he's never been down there. He's not worked for Saban, but I think his temperament is such where having spent a lot of time around him, you know, he's just very, very cool and collected and has a poise about him. That's different. And so, again, you know, I think he knows what he's getting into, but what he's going to get into is it's just you can't really prepare for it because the the, the spotlight and the crowdedness of it is going to be different than anything he's ever experienced because, honestly, no one's ever replaced Nick Saban either, so it's times, you know, times 10. Yeah, I, I wrote a column that went up on The Athletic uh, today, Friday, that I think, you know, he's as impressive a coach as they could have realistically hired. Like somebody, the very first comment was, what about Kirby Smart? Kirby Smart wasn't going to come to Alabama. So of anybody they could have realistically gotten, he's as impressive as anyone. His, it's just remarkable how quickly he has risen up the profession here in the last few years. He was Indiana's offensive coordinator 
in 2019, not that long ago, uh, two years of Fresno State, two remarkable years at Washington. Um, I don't know, though. I mean, I think he's walking into what might be an impossible task because um, crazy stat. Nick Saban was the coach there for 17 years. He had more seasons where he reached the national championship game than seasons he didn't. So the bar for Kalen DeBoer to be considered, you know, for the fans to feel like they got the right guy, he's going to have to reach national championship games, not just playoffs, national championship games. It's really hard. Um, now, I think the good news is it's not a, re- you know, it's not um, rebuilding at all. You're going to inherit a really good roster. You're going to inherit a, a quarterback, I think, who could be one of the best in the country next year, Jalen Noreau, with, with Kalen DeBoer's coaching. And so maybe you start out with a bang and you build, build yourself some some mileage that way. But, you know, it's it's a whole new world as we go to this bigger playoff. And I should say with, uh, you know, a loaded SEC, um, you know, you look at the schedule that he has to play next year. It is daunting. And Alabama has not had a three like if you in a vacuum, if Caitlin DeBoer came in in his first year, went 10 and three, you'd say, good job. At Alabama, that would be the worst season in 14 years. It's just an absolutely um, unprecedented, I think, situation. We've talked about replacing legends, but this is replacing the greatest coach of all time with this program still very much at the top of the sport. Yeah, I, I think what's interesting, and the only, like, there's you really can't, there isn't a real comparison for this. I mean, like the Al- the Alabama job, because look, they've gotten it wrong before, you know, after Bear Bryant, who most people have prior to Saban getting rolling, was a lot of people's greatest coach of all time. And then it was up and down. You know, Gene Stallings did win a national title. You know, they had Mike DuBose. There was, you know, Franchoni was in there. I think some of those people forget. Obviously, Mike Price was there for a second, you know, and then Mike Shula. Um, I think that, in this case, you know, we're at a different fishbowl time too, because it's just social media is different. Everything around it is different. You know, like to me, the the job outside of this one, take this for, out for a second, that has an incredibly high, that probably has, like they all have, all the blue blood jobs have some challenge to them. Like absolutely Ryan Day's situation, even though Urban Meyer, you know, even though he only won one national title is different. I just think, you know, you look at LSU, the, the previous three coaches before Brian Kelly, each won national titles. That's the standard. If you don't win one out, you know, within like four or five years, you got to go. Yep. Um, you know, Brian Kelly's on the clock there. I mean, so it's like Ohio state, LSU, and absolutely, you know, absolutely. Um, Alabama, just because of who you, it's not just you're there. It's the guy who just left. So I went back in history. Um, when Bear Bryant retired in 1982, Alabama hired Ray Perkins. This is this is before my time. Are you following college football when this happened? A little bit. I remember Ray Perkins was the Giants head coach. That's what he I was. Remember. He was the Giants head coach. He had played for Bear Bryant. He takes the job. In his first season, he goes eight and four, and they finish 15th in the country. In his second season, they go five and six. He stays on for another two years, and they go nine, two, and one, and then 10 and three. And then he left to go back to the NFL. 
hypothetical, if Kalen DeBoer goes five and seven in his second season at Alabama, is he gone right then and there? I suspect he would be. Yes. Yeah. It's just that's how much how different this this environment is. Um, and even if he wasn't, even if Greg Byrne, if he's still the AD, was like, you know, it's only been two years, give him time. Like a lot of the fans will have given up on him by then. So uh, all I would say is it may be that no coach in the country could live up to these expectations that he's about to enter. That's why I said earlier in the week, I'd rather be the guy who follows the guy. But I do think Kalen DeBoer inspires confidence that he could be that guy. It was kind of crazy. I was looking back at other examples of coaches uh, in situations like this one where they're replacing uh, you know, a legend at that school. And what's crazy is how often these schools hired somebody to replace them that had no prior head coaching experience, right? Nebraska promoted Frank Solich. By the way, Frank Solich was just announced it's going to be entered into the College Football Hall of Fame this year. But as we re- as we know, in Nebraska, he lasted five years and he was fired. Um, he had been an OC. Lou Holtz leaves Notre Dame. They promote Bob Davey, who was an OC. Um, you know, obviously the Ryan Day example comes to mind. How about when Steve Spurrier uh, left for the the Washington, what was then the Washington Redskins, and of all the people in the world, Jeremy Foley hired Ron Zook. Nobody knew who that was, right? So compared to those situations, Alabama hit a grand slam. They got the guy who was the head coach of one of the teams in this year's national championship game. That's very hard to pull off. Well, also on the pressure of Alabama, what's double is – Bill Curry, who honestly, of all the people I think I've ever met in college football, might be the most decent human being, and I probably respect more as much as anybody. In his, he goes from seven wins in his first year to nine and three to ten and two, and basically playing in the Sugar Bowl for the national title game, and that's it. And then because he didn't beat Auburn, which we know what that rivalry is like, um, he ends up there, you know, going to Kentucky. You know, it's it's it's. It's a really, really remind unique. me. Did he leave on his own? Um, my understanding of it was there was a contract that they offered him was almost like it's, it's we don't want you here kind of contract. Okay. Um, and so he ended up going to Kentucky there and basically accepted a deal to go there. Off the top of my head, I don't remember much more of the details of that. I should have researched it before. We I mean, it's pretty crazy. He he won the SEC in his third. So he went 10-2 and two and won the SEC and finished seventh in the coaches poll. And you're right. They then offered him a contract that he didn't particularly like and went to Kentucky. And so, yeah, again, it's this a, is like the, like, of, uh, of all the people, and I would say this probably to anybody who's ever met him, is probably, like, as decent a human being as you could you could come across, especially, you know, of the coaching world um, at that level. Um, just, again, it's just kind of like, it's, it's a crazy world, crazy coaching world. Now, the thing that changes it all, right, is 12-team playoff. I mean, it's just insane that Nick, Sa- Nick Saban made the playoff eight of the 10 years of the playoff. That is going to get more guys fired, by the way, Stu. Okay, yeah. Uh, okay, uh, explain. So the coaches I've talked to think that will cause more guys to get fired because the bar is a lot lower to make the playoff. What you didn't make the playoff, you went eight and four, you got to go. Like the uh, this feeling is 
you know, that will be like missing a bowl game to the, to, to a lot of schools. I a hundred percent agree. It's not, you, not every school, right? I mean, expectations are different one school to the next, but for the kind of schools like Alabama and Ohio state and so on and so forth, I think it'll be just like the NFL, right? In the NFL, it's a pretty clear dividing line. Either you made the playoffs or you didn't. There's no um, citrus ball to go to, right? Either you you made the playoffs and you were successful or you missed the playoffs and you failed. And how many times do we see coaches who had just, um, NFL coaches who had just been in the playoffs like two years ago and then they miss it one year and they're out. I could absolutely see that happening with, with coaches at the highest rung college programs. I think, you know, basically you got to finish in the top 11, which means you can tenant, you have some more margin for error. You can go 10 and two. Some years you might be able to go nine and three. Um, and so considering Nick Saban was able to get them into the four team playoff eight times in 10 years, no doubt Kalen DeBoer is being expected to make the 12 team playoff every single year and do it while playing in a conference that now has Georgia, LSU, uh, you know, Tennessee, they'll play them every year. Auburn, they'll play them every year. And also Oklahoma and Texas, uh, their schedule next year. Oh, also we should note that Greg Byrne, you know, when Saban was still there has started to beef up their non-conference schedule, which was always, you know, one marquee neutral site game and three nobodies. But a lot of the sec schools have been going to home and homes, uh, because of what we just talked about, the fact that it might not be you know one loss and you're out anymore so next year alabama plays at wisconsin in week three then they have an off week and then they play georgia and then in october they play at tennessee followed by missouri and then in november and this is the really crazy part alabama i can't imagine has ever had a november like this at lsu then mercer then at oklahoma and auburn so that's what you've got waiting for you kaylin DeBoer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Um, well, Washington needs a coach now. And, you know, I feel bad for Washington fans. Like, nobody likes to be a springboard school. And, you know, here you are. You just, you know, you're you, one day you're in the national championship game. You're going to the Big Ten. You're looking at this really bright future the next day. You got to go find a new coach. Now, one possibility would be to promote his OC, Ryan Grubb, who Alabama actually tried to hire last year. But that, you know, I mean, in, in your opinion, or maybe what you know so far, are would they be more um, apt to go outside? 
I think the tricky part here, Stu, was there's two, two dynamics to this search that are kind of unique. The first one is that you got the specter of Michigan and its search that could happen, you know, unfold next week if and when Jim Harbaugh goes to the NFL and you could have some overlap with candidates. The other thing that's tied into this is there will be some players in the in the Washington program who will be on their fourth head coach next year, next month, because some of those guys who came in were part of Chris Peterson's 2019 class, played for Chris Peterson, then played two years for Jimmy Lake, then played two years for Kalen DeBoer, and now you're going to get somebody else. So, and where that where I'm actually going with that is, Jimmy Lake made a lot of sense to be the guy when Chris Peterson left and was very promising. And a lot of us thought he was going to do really well and he didn't. And it was a disaster. And that's not a knock on Ryan Grubb. They're different people, different personalities come from different sides of the ball. You know, it's just, there's nothing in common other than they were both coordinators and both high, well thought of, who had a lot of opportunities, decided to stay, and they weren't head coaches before. And the last piece of that, I think, is something significant because when Kalen DeBoer came in, he hit the ground running and fixed it, and because he knew, because he'd been a head coach for you know a, a decade or so. You know, I know he was an OC briefly. And he bounced around some other places, but you know he has a lot of head, head coaching experience. I think they will be able to get, if they want, some really good sitting head coaches for this job. You know, if I'm if I'm Washington, I'd be very interested in saying, hey, you know, would could I get Jed Fish? Jed Fish, outside of Kalen DeBoer, and maybe including Kalen DeBoer, is the one guy who's probably done as impressive a job revitalizing a program in the Pac-12 is Jed Fish. I mean, they were horrific when he showed up. They were on a 12-game losing streak. They almost beat Washington this year, and they went, they won 10 games. He's done everything right there. He also knows, you know, he's lived in Seattle before when he's on Pete Carroll's staff. He knows what it's like to coach in the Big Ten because he was, you know, worked for Harbaugh at Michigan. I mean, he would make a lot of sense up there. Um, then you have, like, Chris Kleiman at K-State, another guy who, small school guy who's continued to do well. And I think he might listen. And the name that, that to me is most overlapped with the potential Michigan search is Lance Leipold, who I know both of us think very highly of at Kansas. Also, you know, kind of grew up in the Big Ten footprint. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if Michigan looks at him very seriously. And I thought Michigan, you know, if they didn't go in the direction of Sharon Moore, I thought they would really look very closely at Kalen DeBoer. But obviously Kalen DeBoer is now off the board. So if you are... Troy Dannon, the new, and he is new. It's not Jen Cohen anymore. The new Washington AD. What would you do? I think Jed Fish would be a great hire. Um, you know, it's interesting. I hadn't even really thought about all the various connections you just brought up in terms of having been in Seattle, having coached in the Big Ten. I'm just mostly focused on, like you said, took over Arizona program that hit absolute rock bottom and now has them <clears throat> in the top 12 and – you know, probably has as good a shot of anybody to win the new Big 12 next year. But that's also a reason why, if I'm Jed Fish, I'm seriously considering this job if they offer it. Because in this new world, if you can get into the Big 10, if you're not in the Big 10 or SEC and you can get into it, I think you have to. And um, 
there's going to be a bit of a ceiling if he's in, remains at Arizona in the Big 12. He probably can't say for sure till we get into it, but I would think most years it's a 16-team conference and you're going to have to win that conference to go to the playoff. For us, Washington in the Big 10 could have the fourth best record and make the playoff as an at-large team. Um, obviously, if I'm a coach taking over there, I'd be concerned to some degree about how's this going to work. How, as a school in Seattle, we're joining a conference with Rutgers and Maryland and Penn State. You know, the logistics of this could be tough. Washington has also had um, financial troubles recently. But we also know they were prepared to offer Caitlin DeBoer, you know, $9 million or whatever it was to try to keep him. So uh, that would be my lean. I do want to mention about Chris, uh, not about Chris Kleiman, about Lance Leipold. I feel like for the last two years, anytime any job has come open, we have mentioned him for that job. Clearly, we are we we are very impressed by him. But I have yet to see him actually get offered one of these jobs. Is it possible that you and I are more impressed by Lance Leipold than actual college foot, college ADs? It's possible that you and I are smarter than them. That well, of course, I'd like to think that. But no, I really think that they they outthought them, you know, overthought it or didn't. He's not flashy enough, I think, is what it is. Hey, no, no disrespect to Kalen DeBoer. Kalen's not flashy either. True, true. Um, you know, neither is Chris Kleiman. You know, there's a lot of these guys who are not flashy. They are not, they're not pithy or or whatever you want to say uh or however they should play it on social media either they're just really good football coaches um by the way kirby smart's not flashy not not whatever any of those things you know he knows what it takes i, to I don't think it should be a requirement to get the job by any means but i think sometimes they get caught up in winning the press conference you know i have not heard from jen cohen during this what maybe you know she's at usc now but i mean she deserves all the credit in the world for hiring Kalen DeBoer when she did, because it was not a win the press conference hire. He, nobody knew who he was, right? Unless you were closely following Mountain West football or uh, back in the day, NAIA football. Uh, I, In fact, I'll go so far as to say that if Washington had lost to Oregon in the Pac-12 title game, which it very easily could have, he's probably not the coach at Alabama right now. It's just making the playoff and, and winning a game in the playoff just completely changes a guy's profile. Um, and so to that end, like Troy Dannon is the AD at Washington. Now he was at Tulane. He hired Willie Fritz at Tulane who ended up taking them to a, uh, new year six bowl. I don't think he'll be caught up in that. I don't, I think, I think he's just going to try to hire the best football coach. And so maybe that is Lance Leipold. I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know. I feel like he has really good options. Look, and Ryan Grubb could be a really good option. You know, people have talked to him, and I've talked to him a little bit, but people who have talked to him come away very, very impressed with him. It's not it's not right that, you know, because it didn't work out one other time when we hired somebody else who's like, just because, you know, because it was here. It's just, and again, he wasn't that AD then either, right? That was, Jen was the AD when, when Jimmy got the job, but... I don't know. I, I mean, I feel like there's in some ways it'll it's in, I feel like this is an easier high, you know, easy for me to say. It's not like my job is depending on it, but it feels like this 
the search options for replacing Kalen DeBoer are easier or more seem to be more sensible than the ones that were to got Kalen DeBoer the job. I know that's going to sound weird because I think Kalen DeBoer is a top five coach, but I just think there's so many variables in place that go into that job that are different. Just like, you know, at the beginning of the search, like the, you know, as you said, the name, this played out how kind of we thought it would. And, you know, in my search story, there was, I think there was five coaches, Sark, Lanning, um, Kalen DeBoer, Mike Norvell. And then the fifth one is the guy who's the most accomplished of all of them and the guy with the most ties to the place. And that's Dabo Sweeney. And he's also the guy, like if, if Kalen DeBoer had decided, yeah, you know what, I'm not, I don't want to take it. I'm not ready to leave. I want to stay here. I don't know. Would, would would Dabo have been the guy that they would have gone to, and then everybody would rip that hire? Yeah, I don't think so. I mean, first of all, I mean, the hire. I don't think they would have hired Dabo because I. So I, these are like very small sample things, but first of all, some students. Then I think the night Saban retired, were like chant. Were outside his statue chanting, "No Dabo, no Dabo," and then I'm going to give credit to the writers. Let me think who it is for a second. Ryan Nanny, then Ryan Nanny on the messenger did a survey of Alabama fans and asked them to grade like one, give one through 10 grade to these dozen or so possible candidates. Guess who got the lowest one? Dabo. Dabo. I think Shiano might have been in there. No, Dabo. The point being, I think Alabama, whatever, regardless of what he's accomplished, I think Alabama fans hate him. So I don't think they would have gone that way, but I don't know, you know, couldn't see them promoting Tommy Reese either. We'll never know what they might have done if Kalen DeBoer had stayed. Um, so now we're on Harbaugh Watch. We've been on Harbaugh Watch. Obviously, these NFL jobs, there's not as much of an urgency. So so sometimes it drags out uh, the process uh, in terms of the ripple effect that might have. No chance, by the way, Pete Carroll goes and takes the Huskies job, is there? I would, I would doubt it. Yeah. I would seriously doubt it. It'd be a cool little twist, but I doubt it. Um, so in the meantime, while we wait on that for Michigan, Michigan's rival has had one heck of a week. Um, so we, as when I do the early top 25, it's always a little challenging because a lot of times with teams like that, they're, a lot of their best guys haven't decided yet whether they're going to turn pro. And in Ohio State's case, that was a bunch of dudes. But in talking to our uh, Ohio State writer, Tim Robinson, He's like, you know, I'm hearing most of those guys are going to come back, including Travion Henderson. And I was like, uh, wow, okay, that seems... Or no, the one he said that I could not believe was um, JT. Because he's he's projected, I think, in the top 10 of the draft. Well, sure enough, you know, Marvin Harrison Jr. Marvin Harrison Jr. turned pro, as you would expect. Uh, Mike Paul Jr., their defensive lineman, did. Coming back to him, Alohau, uh, uh Travion Henderson, Jack Sawyer, the other really good defensive end, Denzel Burke, I think would have been a first round quarterback. Um, who am I forgetting here? Um, Donovan Jackson, offensive lineman. I'm, I'm forgetting somebody obvious here. Jack Sawyer, Emeka Buka, okay, uh, the the you know second receiver with with Marvin Harrison. Um, the NIL world, Bruce, uh, that's insane. For that the one many that surprised me, the, to come back. The one that surprised me the most, Stu, is actually Travion, and that one happened. I happened to be on. I follow him on social media, and I happened to be like looking at my screen when that came in, and I was like, "Am I misreading this?" Because, like, 
I think he is a wildly talented running back. I mean, when he is healthy and he's ready to go, he's a spectacular talent. It's just, you know, there's times where he's banged up and he doesn't play and you're, you're wondering like, you know, running backs are different just in terms of like the durability issue. They're also different in terms of like what their value is now when it gets to the NFL. You know, the injury factor is a real thing in that position and the hits factor is a real thing in that position. You know, so I was like, wow, he's staying. I mean, that's that's something I would, you know, some of the rumblings we've heard also is that, look, you know, Ryan Day may give up play calling and may bring in, an, you know, another offensive coordinator. You know, and that person may have the opportunity to reshape the offensive staff. So there's a lot of stuff up in the air right now with the Buckeyes. But if I was a Buckeye fan and just saw the talent that is coming in um, that you, you know, you rattled off. I mean, obviously, we're going to see what happens at the quarterback position because they've been so elite at that position for so long until this year. Um, we'll see what 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 that's going to look like. And then keep in mind, so so I had heard Travion Henderson was leaning to coming back, but when they got Quinchon Judkins from Ole Miss in the portal, I was like, surely he's not going to come back and share carries in the and sure enough, he's back. So now you have both of those guys in the backfield. Those are both um all conference uh proven all conference running backs. And then Will Howard coming in at QB, who is not like a sure thing, right? Necessarily. He just gives them more security than if it would have just been Devin Brown and nobody else. Um, the bars, you know, the bar is going to be very high for that team. That team is going to be the bar is uh, always high. Still, the bar is always high. But this year, it's going to be like they can't lose to Michigan. They have to win the Big Ten. That's what people said. Like, last anything year. short of that, people said last year. But last, but last year, this past I, year, they, this past year, they had a lot of question marks. Their offensive line was a question mark, and it turned out to be, in fact, a weakness. Kyle McCord, we had never seen before. Um, you know, I think. And then, of course, Michigan had everybody coming back, right? Michigan was the Big Ten favorite last year. Um, it'll be Ohio State. I will have to tear up the top 25 I did the other day because since that went up, the number two team, Alabama, lost their coach. The number six team, Ohio State, just got by like a bunch of dudes. Um Michigan, I, uh, Washington is going to be dropping like a, you know, pretty far. They already had um, Jabbar Muhammad, their best cornerback, just entered the portal today. So um, we'll have to do a 2.0 version of that here soon. By the way, um, do you know where you had this team picked last year ago at this time of the year? Ohio State? Yeah. Last year, I think I had Michigan 2, Ohio State 3. Yeah. So it wasn't like, you know, it wasn't like you had them like six or seven. No, but I'm saying this year Ohio State will be the clear cut, like like the old days, like and when I mean old days, like two years ago, like it's going to be. Although Oregon coming in there has a has a shot yeah, as well. I don't well. know if they'll be clear cut anything. Oregon also is keeps just loading up in the portal. They just got Evan Stewart, who you know broke out as a freshman at A and M two years ago, really good receiver. So. And and we still are waiting on a lot of Michigan guys. We don't actually know what Michigan's roster is going to look like next year. The assumption was it's a bunch of seniors. They'll have to start over. But a bunch of those seniors have eligibility remaining. But a lot of those guys are already teed up to go to the senior bowl. And J.J. McCarthy hasn't announced. So 
should be interesting. Um, look, of all, you know, we could say a million things about NAL. You could talk about the dark side of NAL. Florida State's offensive coordinator got busted by the NCAA yesterday for um, helping uh, try to get. That's actually a pretty pretty crazy story. Kind of, no, none of us knew they were under investigation. They became the first school to get in trouble because uh, of an NIL collective trying to buy a player. Um, but that's going to send a message. No, I I think that 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 was a, something that took place in April of 2022, which in NIL collective years is like 50 years ago. They've become so much more sophisticated since then, and I don't think. That, it is a pretty significant punish, punishment they give to Alex Atkins. And Alex Atkins, by the way, is like one of the more well-regarded assistant coaches around the country. You know, he'd interviewed for some head coaching jobs. Mm -hmm. Well, I would say this, you know, I remember if it was, I don't know if it was on this podcast or offline, but we talked, we're talking about tampering a while ago. And I was like, you know, these coaches are so worked up about it, but they won't do anything. Like turn, if you think you, somebody's tampering, why don't you turn them in? And you said, because they don't have any faith, the NCAA will do anything. Well, what clearly happened in this Florida State case is, so, th so the, the kid w was playing at Georgia and entered the portal, and Florida State tried to get him, and they offered him $15,000 a month. And then he went, withdrew from the portal and back to Georgia. So obviously, Georgia turned Florida State in. Now that you've seen that this can happen, will other schools... It can't be that hard. Like the kids come back and they have all the texts on their phone. Like you could turn people in if you want to. Um, but I, my sense is they won't. Why? Because they're all doing it now. Everybody's doing this. I would agree with you. And I do think everybody is doing this to some degree or another. Well, I was going to say, I didn't actually get to say what I was going to say, which is one of the benefits of NIL, I think, for college football fans is more star players staying in school longer. Like that we will go into next season and you're just going to have a lot more household name, established star player. I mean, I feel like Travion Henderson's been at Ohio State for five years already. Um, it's hard to believe he's only a true junior uh, coming back to college football, which is great. Um, I don't want to say when the next podcast is going to be because you just never know when the next thing's going to drop. But it'll probably be soon next week. And I'm not even going to jinx that. We'll be back next time on The Audible. Send your email questions to theaudiblepod at gmail.com and we'll see you then. How did we get away with the things we used to do?